0: This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food, the wine, the entertainment, the lifestyle. This is Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living, sponsored by Vane Innovations. And
1: welcome to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton obviously in the air and that's why you're seeing your local farmers markets popping up all over the city. Well I have a good friend of mine in the studio that's going to make sure you know about them, where they are, and why you need to go by and buy from these folks. Krista Debiaz, who is the executive producer of our buddy Clark Howard and mm-hmm. the Clark Howard Show. Krista, how long has it been since we were put in the
2: studio by ourselves to play? <laughs> it's been way too, I mean forever. I don't think we've ever actually been alone in the studio together. Uh, they don't trust us. Yeah. Clark's away so
1: the mice will play. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he's gonna bound in and get tell us how to save money on on uh, you know uh, the different markets around town which one's the cheapest.
2: Yes I mean he you know Clark is of course you know you've worked with him for so long too he is amazing and awesome but he is not hitting the farmers market probably you know and and that's fine he teaches how to save money at, at grocery stores but I have a real passion for farmer's markets. I love them. To me, it's it's a totally different experience. It's kind of a
1: mini vacation for me, mm-hmm. kind of transporting yourself to a, a different locale. And I love when I'm in different cities to seek out their farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so different. I remember when I was in Hamburg, Germany, um, their farmer's market was um, early, early in the morning. At this fish house, and everybody's drinking beer. I think it was like at uh, eight o'clock in the morning,
2: and having this fish chowder, and it was the social event of the week. It was awesome. It is you know one of my best memories of Paris. I went there on a very cheap fare that Clark found. Of Of course. course, it was. I went to a farmer's market and I bought just a few of these beautiful tomatoes and some garlic and I had and and some basil and I still make this when I can I slice the tomatoes up I put a little salt and pepper and olive oil and then garlic chunks you sort of Mm -hmm. stick them in the slices and then put a little drizzle of olive oil put some basil pieces and then maybe a drizzle of balsamic or some kind of vinegar if you want to because when I got there of course I couldn't afford to eat there I rented a tiny little Airbnb studio and it already had some of the things I needed to cook, so I always like to do that because it saves you so much money when you're on the ground cooking for yourself. It's so good. So filling, so fresh.
1: Well, you've become not just a patron of the farmer's market,
2: but you've become really involved in one particular. Yes, I I volunteered to be on the board of the Brookhaven Farmer's Market. And it's been awesome. We had our f- our opening day last Saturday, and we had the biggest day we've ever had. We've really grown this year. We have over 40% more vendors than we've ever had. Last week and today, we had glorious, glorious weather. Thank you, Kirk Mellish. And it was just like you just did not even want to leave. It was so great. So where is the Brookhaven Farmer's Market? Uh, the Brookhaven Farmer's Market is in Brookhaven, obviously. It's at the corner of Dresden and Fernwood in the parking lot of the University Baptist Church behind Marta. And you can actually park at Marta and walk down. And it's every Saturday from 9 to noon. And Farmer's Markets, you know, they occur on almost every day of the week, depending on where you live. You could even market hop if you wanted to. It's just, it really is, each one's different. They have different vendors. And I love meeting the farmers. You know, you meet the people who actually yeah. grew the food that who you're going to... pulling it out of the ground that morning. Right. And they tell you exactly how they grew it. Or there, you can find lots of things at farmers markets besides just vegetables. But, of course, that's the main focus of most markets is produce. You can really find things that are unique, too. You can find baked goods, also meats, you know, pastured meats, Um, pastured eggs I really love if you look at an egg that's been raised where the chicken was raised eating grass and bugs and all that stuff as they should it's got an orange yolk but if most eggs that you buy at the supermarket have a more yellowy uh... uh, yolk so if you if you put two in a bowl together you can really see the difference
1: oh I'm gonna try that because I've never bought my eggs other than at the grocery store and
2: they do have pastured eggs I mean it's not even necessarily buying organic eggs actually don't usually buy organic eggs. I buy them where they've been raised in pasture. And they're amazing. They're so good.
1: And so you can actually plan to shop at the farmer's market and also have your breakfast and lunch at the farmer's market because they have food, cooking, and the smells are just
2: intoxicating. They're so good. We have one vendor, Mad Mama Gourmet, and I like to call her the soup mama. And she (laughs) makes hot breakfast sandwiches along with her soups. Every week. And that's a super popular thing at the Brookhaven's Farmer's Market. And lots of markets will have like this hot, fresh food or baked goods. I mean, the baked goods are incredible. Oh, yeah. They're incredible.
1: And they and they cater to what the people want. I mean, you see a lot of gluten free bakery items Mm -hmm. that are around. And uh, they'll tell you this is this is peanut free, this is nut
2: free, right? So vegetarian, they, vegan, yeah. all those things that you know, depending on how you eat. And I'm not a vegetarian, but last week at our market, I bought this stuff called nuts for pate. It's a pate made out of walnuts, and then a lot of other things like cumin, and um, it, it's incredible. They were doing taste tests. I right. wouldn't have thought about it, and I tasted it, and I was like, "This is awesome." And, and I've been having it on some little crackers or on tomato, and it's delicious. Because that would be a great snack. Mm-hmm. You can also find a lot of farmer's markets have like jewelry and lots of things that are not necessary. That are like artisan products, too. Right. Local crafts. Yeah. It's such a neat thing to be able to go with your family or by yourself if you want some peace and just wander around And meet the, you know, the farmers will tell you how to cook the stuff they're selling, too, because sometimes you'll be like, they're unique items, you know? Like, right right now, ramps are in season. Have you ever had a ramp? Okay, let me tell you. I grew up in the country,
1: and... (laughs) ramps were what we picked out and threw Uh away and one of them is far away and then I remember I'm not gonna name names John John but (laughs) he put it in our third grade class under the teacher's desk and we came back from class and ramps are very strong
2: they are we had to evacuate the room Uh, you can actually there's an article I saw online that's like how to get rid of ramp breath because they're I can't imagine that you did get rid of ramp breath <laughs> I think you eat an apple that actually works oh. but ramps are the foodies love them now I mean and they're only in season for a few weeks out of the year and so right now you can get them and there are recipes all over the internet for how to prepare them and all the stuff you can do with them well I would have to you know you're gonna have to show me to believe it because wow
1: the way I grew up with with ramps, that would be a that would be an unusual yeah. one.
2: They outlawed them in Quebec for some reason. I like <laughs> see them. why.
1: What about the wild mushrooms? That would intrigue me. With oh, all yeah. the foragers that go out uh, searching
2: for the the wild mushrooms that you can. There's so add to many your... types of mushrooms you can just and you can find out like what different mushrooms are going to be best. You know, and what recipes and. Of course, there are a million ways to cook them. And chef demos, that's another big thing that they have at farmer's markets. The chefs come and they use ingredients sourced from the market usually. Our chef today made the most awesome meal and I am going to make it at home. He made pork with a warm strawberry relish. Doesn't that sound... Strawberries are really in season right now too. And
1: pork goes really well with with sweet items. So is that something that you could just taste, or is he letting you know? Oh, no, you can
2: taste it, but he or she, depending on who's doing the demo that week, you watch them prepare whatever dish they're making that week, and then you can go home and cook it for yourself if you want to. Buy the ingredients at the market or somewhere else if you want, and learn how to cook something new. It's really fun. I always, it's weird, I always struggle to figure out what recipes I should make even though I have all these cookbooks. But if I see something being made in person it's and I can taste it, it just makes me much more motivated to actually cook it at home.
1: So what about the Peachtree Road? That's a big one, That's too. That's a big one. And
2: they they actually just started Wednesday nights at Peachtree Road. That's tremendous. Yeah, so you can go. And, you know, the best way to find your local farmer's market um, usually is you want to go to their website or their Facebook page. And there's a um, website called FarmersMarketOnline.com. And you can search, and it'll give you the website for all the farmer's markets in your county. And that's a really good way to find one.
1: What if you were traveling, Krista? And you were, is there a website if you were going to be on vacation where you could find the websites of where you're going to be traveling? FarmersMarketOnline.com. That uh, actually excellent. works for everywhere okay. in the United States. That's great. So you can try their local uh, their local vegetation as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a really fun thing to do. And you meet different people. You know, the vendors are from that local area. So it's a really great way to... To kind of socialize when you're on a trip, too. So I challenge you. This is what I used to do at the local
1: farmer's market before we started having these crop up. Is I would find the most obscure vegetable at at Harry's or uh, one of the other larger farmer's markets. And uh, bring it home and try to figure out how to cook it. Mm-hmm. And, and ask
2: the farmer you buy it from. Yeah. They always have millions of... I mean, I've gotten some of my best recipes talking to the farmers at farmer's markets. And uh, you know and also you can get often fresh pasta. Every farmers market I've been to just about has fresh. We have a guy named Antonio straight from Italia and that guy makes the With amazing. a name
1: like Antonio, uh, Antonio, Antonio. He better
2: make fresh pasta. Oh, he's his, I had his lemon ravioli last week. It was
1: out of this world. Okay, so you know there's a little bit of controversy. Do you wash your pot, do you wash your vegetables before you put it in the refrigerator or
2: before you use it? Before I use them. Before you use them. Because it lasts a little longer. And I just, you know, I, I think it's important, too. This is Clark would appreciate this. Even if um, you're buying organic produce, which is more expensive to produce and grow than regular produce, cooking at home versus eating it out, eating out is going to save you huge money. Like you could have a fast food meal for the same price that you can cook yourself, you know, a locally sustainably grown meal with the vegetables and the and the, uh, you know the meats that you can get. From a local farmer And I really feel like It's worth it Because you think about The cost of Health care in this country Absolutely we- <laughs> And
1: everyone sits Around the table And shares their
2: day Yes
1: Krista DiBiaz Thank you so much And we'll check in With you uh, Farther down The The season and see how the farmer's market business is going. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was so fun to hang out with you. You too. You've been listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.
0: Now more of Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living.
1: Hey, welcome back, y'all, to Atlanta Living. It's time for Breaking Chews. Now, this is our weekly check-in on all the -the up-to-the-minute breaking news about local restaurants, chefs, festivals. I'm here with my favorite foodie correspondent, David Danzig, of the website BitesandSights.net, also a food writer for Atlanta Social Season magazine, and, of course, BelindaSkelton.com. So this week, David, you brought a little back to the future for us. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> so if you were wondering, if you ever wondered where would Mad Men's Don Draper <laughs> want to go for dinner and drinks in 2016?
1: It really hasn't crossed my mind. Well,
0: I, I think about these things. Um, the answer would be pretty simple. It's in the new place in Ponce City Market, sit-down um, restaurant called The Mercury. This is a very cool mid-century motif, and it's set amidst the original bricks and the concrete columns of Ponce City Market, mm-hmm. the, this old building. It's up on the second floor, and it's above that sprawling central food hall. Yeah. And the energy is perfect because you are completely... Removed. You're above yeah. and, and beyond the chaos, but you definitely still feel the buzz of Pond City Market and the the, you still the food hear hall. It. You can you can definitely feel you you pass it as you get up there. So old fashions, Manhattans, martinis. Mm. This is a cocktail centric place from the people from the Pinewood Room in Decatur. They also do a lot of new concoctions. My favorite summer drink has got to be their Hummingbird. It's made with gin, elderflower, mint soda. They put a little orchid on it. It's gorgeous. I have a photo up um, at BelindaSkelton.com. I don't know what Don Draper would say about the tattoos and the beards and the man bun (laughs) hairdos from the hipster bartenders, but he would love the drinks. Um, It's open for lunch and dinner. Uh, Chef de cuisine uh, Brian Carson does a great job it's an all-American menu land and sea they do a, a raw oyster service um, we did a, a swordfish belly crudo that was gorgeous um, we did I tried the trout almondine and then they cook the steaks they have the fillets they cook them sous vide which is where they seal it in a bag and they boil that's it that's my favorite you can cut it with a fork so the food's fantastic. So the bottom line is the Mercury. It's a ton of fun. It's sophisticated, infectious energy. It's a great addition to the dining scene. And they also do cocktails to go. So you could grab an what? old-fashioned no. and walk around Ponce City Market, maybe sneak out to the Beltline. And these are really the crown jewels of the Atlanta culture scene right now. So check out the Mercury Ponce City Market. You will love it.
1: Well, that's where you can find me in the next few days. Absolutely. Okay, where can we find you through
0: the week? My website is bitesinsights.net. Please follow me on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram.
1: Well, I can't wait to hear next week's treat. You've been listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Depend on it.
0: This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food. The wine. The entertainment. The lifestyle. This is Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. Sponsored by Vane Innovations.
1: Hey folks, welcome to the show. You're listening to Atlanta Living and I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. There is a beer for every mood food and occasion. And with the growing number of beer festivals popping up all over the world, beer is finally getting the attention and the appreciation it deserves. And my next guest that makes her so happy, Marilla Ametto. She is the author of Beerology. And how did this book come about, Marilla?
3: Well, for me, this book is really a natural continuation of my work. So when I founded Beerology in 2007, my goal was to support local breweries and to promote beer appreciation. So the bulk of my work has been guided beer tastings, introducing people to beer, giving people the information necessary for them to confidently jump in and navigate a beer selection and start exploring beer and having fun with it. So For me, this book now is an opportunity to um, continue to promote beer appreciation but reach a broader audience. And I think the work that I've done guiding tastings over the years has really informed the book because obviously when I'm doing guided tastings, I'm not talking at people. It's It's a conversation. It's a dialogue. So, you know, I'll explain a few ideas or talk about certain flavors and then field questions and... Throughout the years, I've, you know, zeroed in on the kind of questions that tend to come up and the kind, the way that someone maybe who's approaching beer for the first time um, sees beer and maybe, you know, the areas that they need a little bit more clarification on and the areas that they don't, that are overwhelming at first, because beer, of course, can be quite complicated. It doesn't have to be, but I did, you know, complete a 14-hour exam uh, on the topic, so there's a lot to learn, but... You know, my, with beerology, what I've done is just found a way to communicate the information in in small snippets and in an approachable fashion using what I've learned from these tastes. Well,
1: I have to say, first of all, I love it that a female has written a beer book on beer, beerology, everything you need to know to enjoy beer in even more, because for so many years, beer was just known as the man's drink, the man's beverage. But women are really starting to get into beer and especially the craft brews.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And this is actually a reclaiming for us because what few people are aware of is that um, historically, beer has always been very closely associated with women. So, um, until recently, I would say things shifted around the Industrial Revolution and Prohibition. Um, before that time, for years and years and years and years, uh, beer was traditionally always brewed by women. Um, the term beer is feminine. I don't know if you're aware. No. But, you know, in Spanish, uh, cerveza is feminine, okay. right? It's not a masculine noun, right. and um, here in Canada, we have French is our other national language, and it's la bière. It's, a, it's again, feminine. Uh, The root word for cerveza is Ceres, who was a goddess, and, you know, all of the deities associated with beer were always women, so it's always been a heavily feminine beverage, and then with Industrial Revolution um, and Prohibition and Depression, there were a couple of different, you know, there were shifts Mm -hmm. in family dynamic, and, um, you know, the Industrial Revolution drastically changed. Um, our lifestyle and how we relate to each other and gender roles and things like that. And somewhere along the way, this strong connection was lost. So I'm I'm out there to reclaim it. I'm very vocal about it and I'm delighted to see more and more women drinking beer and even more delighted to see more and more women brewing beer and getting involved with it as a
1: job. Well, I love your book, Beerology. Um there's so much information in here and I just wanted to let you know in the last year alone, I think Atlanta had seven new craft brew pubs and breweries open. So it's just exploding here in the south. And are you seeing the same around the states? Of course, you're in Canada. Um, are we seeing a resurgence that, that may be being, uh, knocking wine off its pedestal f- for once?
3: Oh, for sure. I mean, the things have been ramping up for a few years, but I would say in the past five years, it's been an explosion um at our in our capital here in Canada. Um, I was at a festival last year, and fifteen new breweries opened in that city in the past three years, and I'm seeing the same thing in the U.S. The numbers are just spiking, and with the increased numbers is coming an increased selection of styles and flavors. You know, gone are the days when beer was just a golden, 5% alcohol, highly carbonated, delicately flavored beverage. For Mm -hmm. a long time, that's all you could find, right? Now there are 2% alcohol beers, there are 20% alcohol beers, there are pale beers, dark beers, sweet beers, sour beers, bitter beers, beers, beer beers with all those flavors, beer with lobster in them, with smoked meat, with gummy beers. There are so many flavors out there to explore, and with that exploration comes a lot more flexibility in terms of, you know, different occasions that that beer is well suited for. I mean, imagine how much wine we would be consuming if the only selection we had was a range of six Chardonnays. Right. You know what would we be toasting New Year's with? Probably a beer. You know what would we be having with with red meat? Probably uh, a beer. Um, so that's what happened to beer is for a long time the landscape was really flattened. We only had a narrow selection of flavors to choose from. Now there are so many different flavors, and people are exploring those flavors and finding you know what? Maybe instead of a red wine with my steak, I'll have a brown ale. It's just as tasty. Um, You know, or maybe uh, tonight instead of having a little brandy as a nightcap, I'll have a barley wine. Um, It's really exciting, the different, you know, flavors that are out there and the different situations in which beer is really now very well
1: suited. But all beer starts with the same ingredients, water, malt, hops, yeast. Is that correct?
3: that those are the four basic ingredients yes
1: absolutely and, and um, then I, you know I, I tasted a beer yesterday that had a grapefruit tone to it and here on the hot muggy days in Atlanta a beer with a nice crisp taste like grapefruit was wonderful how do they infuse and impart these flavors in the beer
3: Well, it is possible to infuse beer directly with with grapefruit. Um, Some people put grapefruit peels in their beer. That's something that I've seen more so in Europe than here. Um, But more likely, seeing as you're in the U.S., I'm going to guess that uh, that was an American hop that was giving the beer that complex, delicious, bright citrus note. Um, I mean, although there are only four base ingredients in beer, each one has a wide range of flavors. So in the, in the, in the example that um, we're talking about now, hops are a plant, and very much like grapes, there are many different varieties of hop, and each variety of hop has a different Flavor profile and aromas and level of bitterness associated with them. So, in the U.S., these uh, citrusy and piney hops are quite popular, and that's very likely what was giving you that that grapefruit note. In other areas, hops can have more of a black currant note. Sometimes there's earthy, uh, gush, um, garlic tones, onion tones. Sometimes a little bit more pepperiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing the range of flavors that you can get just from those four very basic ingredients and that's without starting you know into the barrel aging and you know alternative fermentation and throwing gummy bears and smoked meat and all <laughs> kinds of things in those beers um you know fruit beers of course delicious and complex so um it's it's a whole world to explore and what i try to do with beerology is really break it down into into flavors and and different moods okay so, what are know, those the style chapters. I have the refreshing brews. So that's for anyone who, you know, likes refreshing beers, mm-hmm. who tends to drink beer after mowing the lawn on a hot day, and or, you know, is in a situation where they would like a refreshing beer. Then I have a whole selection of beers to choose from in that chapter that fit that bill. Then I have the mellow brews, which are a little bit maltier, they're a bit full flavored. Those are the kinds of beers that I reach, to, reach for um, on a rainy day, or they tend to be sort of my 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 mid season beer, my mm-hmm. spring and fall beers, then I have the captivating brews that have brighter flavors, and so the the beer you were talking about with the grapefruit notes um, would would fit in there. So that's the striking brews. Mm-hmm. And fruit beers are also in there. So something that, you know, when you want a little punch, when you're looking for uh, a little bit of extra flavor or something that might surprise you or, or uh, you know, I like those beers on, on joyful occasions. Um, and then I have the captivating brews and those are the the fuller, richer beers so that those are more winter beers or sitting by the fireplace or uh, perhaps as a dessert, At the beer for dessert is always a great option. <laughs> uh, well, you know,
1: the, 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 the day of everyone sticking to the same beer and drinking that time after time after time are out Um, people are experimenting with the beers um, whether you get it on draft at your local pub or not Um, I know I just was at a bar that had something like 56 different beers craft beers on tap for you to try
3: Absolutely. And, you know, my work and and this book are all about encouraging that. And what I've found through my guided tastings and talking to people one-on-one is that, yes, there are a lot of people out there exploring, but there are an equal number of people who um, would like to explore, but they're not sure where to start, and they're they're feeling a little overwhelmed with the information and the selection, or they've started exploring, but they're looking just for a little bit more information to guide them along that journey. And so that's what this book is about. It's just flip it open, and you'll find the information that you need to really confidently dive in and navigate that selection.
1: Now, unlike wine, it's not... Uh, suitable to kind of carry beer over a season or two? Does it start to degrade, so to speak? Beer, from
3: um, from the moment it is finished brewed, will slowly start to degrade, absolutely. Having said that, the degradation of flavors in some cases can be pleasant and in some cases um, not so much. So it depends on the beer, and I do have a cellaring chapter in the book that outlines which kinds of beers you can certainly lay down for a year or even five years or ten years. But, um, you know, those refreshing everyday beers like Pilsners and Lagers, those you want to consume, you know, sooner than later, definitely within three months from when they w- left the brewery. And the other category of beers, which I'm I'm really taking the moment to talk about these days, is the, the hoppier beers brighter IPAs, like the Mm -hmm. beer you were describing with those great fruit notes, Um, hop aromas are really volatile. So if you find a beer that you really enjoy and it's really, it's got those bright hoppy flavors and that's why you like that beer, don't buy a case and have it sit in your, in your, um in your cellar or in your garage for for a couple of months because you will notice a huge decline in those aromas. Those beers should be consumed fresh. So it depends on the individual beer, but as a general rule, higher alcohol beers and beers that are more malt-forward are better suited to aging. Sour beers as well are great for aging.
1: Okay, we are speaking with Marella Ametto. She is the author of this fabulous book. This would be a great gift coffee table book for anybody in your life that enjoys beer it's called beerology everything you need to know to enjoy beer and more we're going to take a break morella we'll be back talking more about beer and i'm going to pick your brain for your favorite that you've ever tasted now
0: back to belinda skelton
1: And welcome back to Atlanta Living, where we are talking about beer. Knowing all, learning as much as you can to enjoy it to its fullest possibility. Doing that with the help of the book Beerology and the author, Morella Ameto. Thank you for joining us. And I kind of put you on the spot before the break, and I wanted you to tell me your favorite beer that you've ever had. Is there one that sticks out?
3: You know, it's funny, in my line of work, uh, sometimes if I'm judging a beer competition or something like that, I will taste upwards of, uh, 100, 150 beers in one wow. day. I've sampled so many different beers that I've, I've given up keeping track and, uh, and zeroing in on on favorites. And even if I could, I think I would have probably a list of, you know, 50 favorites. Um, but beyond that, really, for me, what drew me into beer appreciation and what drew me into this job was what I mentioned um, earlier on in the segment, the fact that there are so many different flavors out there. So for me, um, you know, instead of when I'm choosing a beer, instead of thinking, you know, what is my favorite beer among the beers on this list, usually I'm thinking, what have I not had before? What's new and exciting? Or you know, what is the best beer for this moment? So, you know, what, what is my mood? Is it raining outside? Then I might grab a, a darker beer. Uh, am I, you know, feeling energetic? I might grab something with bright flavors in it. What am I eating? You know, what is the best beer for that moment? And for me, that is way more stimulating than, you know, always drinking the same beer all the time, which I'm seeing a lot of people doing still. And you know what? We don't have grilled cheese no, for, this, for every meal, every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. No, we try different things, you know, based on our mood, based on uh, time constraints, based on availability. And so, you know, rather than than zeroing in on, on one beer and always drinking the same thing, for me, it's a it's a constant journey of discovery and new and exciting flavors. Um, and they are out there. Probably, you know, I'll, I'll have a favorite beer tonight and tomorrow morning I'll find <laughs> another beer and then I'll knock it off its pedestal so so many delicious flavors
1: like you said in the book there's a beer for every mood food and occasion and you need to pick up Marilla's book beerology and it can walk you through the steps about storage handling what to pair with what it's a it's a wonderful guide and uh, continued success with this Marilla
3: Thank you so much, Belinda.
1: Folks, you've been listening to Atlanta Living. We are going to be back with more. Stay tuned. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.